Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Sportive. I'm John Marthaler. Tonight we are joined by two very special guests. We have official brother of the podcast and official gopher football expert of the podcast, Dave Marthaler. Say hello, Dave. Hello, everyone. And in making his very first appearance on the Sportive Podcast, we have auxiliary gopher football expert and why not auxiliary brother on the podcast, Shmuel. Wow, thanks for that nice intro. When he says expert, you forgot the quotes with your fingers. And uh, I have no qualifications outside of being a passionate gopher fan and that I know John and Dave and I've known them for a lot of years. So uh, buckle in, should be fun. <laughs> you, you, you need to understand that Shmuel is the most optimistic person about gopher football that there ever was or ever will be. So we we naturally invited him to to be optimistic for us and because we need a counterweight to the natural pessimism of this podcast. I almost mentioned Glenn Mason there just to get it out of the way, as we must on every podcast involving me and Dave. But And Schmuel went to the same high school as both Sheryls's and Daryl Thompson. That's right. Making him, that if anything, is the biggest qualification that Schmuel has to be on this podcast. I mean, what better qualifications can a person have than that? Um, yeah, so true. He's yeah. got all the credentials. Yeah, so That's why we call him Dr. Football. <laughs> Wait, the, the Sherrills did go to JM, right? They did. did. make that up? Yeah, okay. they did. All right. All right. If, if, cool. if, they, if it turned out they went to Century, we would have had to delete this. And also, <laughs> I would have had to get Schmuel's forgiveness before he could re-record. <laughs> Schmuel would have just dropped the bike and just left. Um, we are going to talk, like I mentioned, we are going to talk, go for football. We're, what better podcast to do at the start of April when the thoughts naturally turn to football? Then to recap last Gopher football season, we're going to talk about what the Gophers lost over the offseason and we're going to look forward at next season a little bit. The original intent of getting this group together was that we were going to try to get this group together right after the bowl game when they beat Auburn. And as you can tell from our what the calendar looks like, we missed it by just about three months. So but the spring game is tomorrow or would be tomorrow. Yes, the spring game. We figured spring football would be perfect, and then outside circumstances ruined that as well. But we're we're forging forward. We've got us all here. So with that in mind, cast your minds back to 2019, to the early part of the year. The the start of the Gopher schedule last year, I, Dave, you can tell me if I have this right. The internet was referring to 
the first three games of the Gophers schedule, their non-conference schedule last year, as the Idiots Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Correct? Is, Why was that? That is correct. They were playing a 1AA powerhouse, which don't do that. Don't ever do that. Um, and a, a local 1AA powerhouse. That's always a recipe for disaster. As we well know as Gopher yep. fans. And then they went on the road to play Fresno State at a game that started at 9 p.m. Central. Don't do that. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> And, none of none of these were good ideas. And, and then and then and then third one, they played Georgia Southern, the most optiony team outside the service academies. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. That's a horrible idea. You know, after the Gophers beat Air Force in the first game at TCF Bank Stadium, I've always sort of looked fondly upon option teams at TCF Bank Stadium. Just because I want to replicate how great that game was. That game was a horrifying game. <laughs> No, no, no. They returned that fumble in the fourth quarter. That was order. literally the only good thing that happened. That was the only touchdown the Gophers scored. Why are you trying to ruin my extremely positive memory, <laughs> I mean, it, Shmuel, jump in you, here. So, this yeah, is why no here. problem. I, a question for you. In terms of, because there's barely any option teams around anymore, do you guys take any joy in watching option football? Parse aside the uh, it's kind of horrifying if your team's playing against an option team because it's always closer than it should be, but just... Having option football and watching that, do you guys enjoy that anymore, or is it just pass, pass, pass the darn ball? One hundred percent. That is a great question. I would. I think our listeners will assume you planted it, but it, <laughs> this was not. I love the option so incredibly much. Now that it, Dave is currently wearing a T-shirt that says "I love yeah. option football." I. I I used to, it, it doesn't work now that Paul Johnson left, but I used to go out of my way to watch Georgia Tech games just so I could watch the option. I still... <laughs> Paul Johnson, he was absolutely the best college football coach because he ran the option and also was the grumpiest sourpuss about everything in the world. Yeah, I think we're like the perfect ages too of, we grew up with, we were like just getting into football when all these great teams were playing mm-hmm. option football. And then it kind of went away, and now there's it's kind of like this, uh, yeah, one of these things that t- it's like a blast to the past, basically. So yeah, yep. And two of us are dads now, so we're starting to see passing as a needless risk and keeping the ball on the ground and playing good defense is the most important thing. That, that's not a. I do not have any offspring, and yet I also believe that. <laughs> Maybe that's just a big catch. This is something, I don't know if the podcast, the podcast audience knows this, but being a dad actually has very little to do with reproducing, and more just has to be <laughs> with aging into your middle and late 30s. Dave has no kids, and yet he's the most yes, dad of any you want of everyone true. off your lawn, you love doing projects, you don't want people to throw on third and long. That's that's the three hallmarks of dad life. <laughs> You're angry at Bob Schnelker mm-hmm. all the time. That's the that's the way it goes. That's the way it is. So, what I thought would be somewhat interesting, at least to me, for going through last year's schedule, is not to recap every game, but to look back at things like the Idiots Gauntlet and figure out where those teams ended the year. Because going into the year, we were saying, well, South Dakota State could win the one double A championship. Fresno State could be the best team in the Mountain West. Georgia Southern could win the Sun Belt. None of that actually happened. So to go through that, South Dakota State, they beat by a touchdown, probably should have lost that game. SDSU ended up losing the big SDSU-NDSU battle. They also lost to South Dakota. I have to say, 
I'm not a Jackrabbits fan, but I have to imagine they view last year as a terrible year because they lost to NDSU, Minnesota, and South Dakota. But is it safe to say that they're the third best team in the Dakotas? <laughs> uh, did they play UND? <laughs> I, I don't know their schedule enough if they played yeah. UND. And the School of Mines is always tough. The School of Mines is in D3, though. Don't sleep on the School <laughs> of Mines, Dave. <laughs> Did, did you know that I think the School of Mines has an actual road rivalry trip? Phone call. Hello. Is, the is it our first, is is there our first live caller <laughs> asking for me to get off the podcast immediately? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I didn't even know that Sport of Hotline was live and already people are calling. <laughs> Porsche Bowl. Seven minutes in, and already the hotline's ringing with people asking for him to be taken off. It's my new, it's my new record, the longest I've lasted on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, beats beats that time you get kicked off comedy bang bang for racial slurs. (laughs) Ah, yes. Uh, Anyway, so I I don't know where South Dakota State finished in the fancy stats, Dave. we, I just want to recap here. We have one fancy stat we use. Bill Connolly from ESPN puts it together. It's called SP+. Plus. I don't think it's S&P+. Plus. Mm-hmm. It's not like the S&P 500. It's SP+. Plus. I need you to tell us what that is because we're going to be referencing that specific fancy stat a lot. Well, I, I like to just call it the fancy stats. But right. it it measures a efficiency, which is like making first downs, and explosiveness, which is having big plays. And then on defense, it measures whether you're keeping people from getting first downs and not giving up big plays. Those being sort of the two facets of playing offense or defense. Right, right. And then, you know, the other factors are like, you know, turnovers, which are sort of lucky and, you know, some some other things too. So, so it's, does... it's a way of measuring how good you are at football. Right. Gotcha. And it, it, it tends to generally line up with who was actually the best, although... You know, it's one of those things like, hey, yeah, actually, the best team by this stat last year was Alabama, but that didn't work out. So, right, it's not necessarily a predictive stat. It's not, the number one team is not necessarily the national champion, but we know that Ohio State, which probably finished top in the fancy stats last year, was real good at football. Like, like any fancy stat, it's mostly good for making people who don't know how to add furious. <laughs> It's the it's the wins above replacement of college football. Perfect. That's all I exactly. Need to know. Just just like war, or, you know, Pythagorean record or whatever in baseball, it just makes people who don't understand the idea of like statistics and probability utterly furious. Perfect. I can't I can't wait next year to have people be just using the uh, SP number in casual conversation. This will be great. <laughs> well, I, I do, and everyone, that's why people don't talk to me. But you guys are trapped in this podcast with me. So Every week during the season, I say, Dave, what do the fancy stats say? And he tells me, and I say, that doesn't sound right. And then he gets mad. Uh-huh. So yep. it's it's good times. Um, that was South Dakota State. Fresno State, the Gophers, beat in overtime. An exciting game. Fresno State was actually fairly terrible last year. They were 4-8 and eight in the Mountain West. They finished 80th in the country in the fancy stats. How many teams are there in Division One now? 122? 128. 128. Maybe, so maybe 130. They were almost into the bottom third of teams. So, retro at, at the time, I thought, well, that was a great win. Fresno State had just come up short against USC, 
which also turned out to be not that good. Shmuel's wife is a USC grad, so I'm going to try to tread softly here. Oh, that's okay. You don't have to do that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I thought maybe your wife would listen to the uh-huh. podcast, but now that I say it out loud, how uh-huh. foolish would be. She would have to listen. She would have to I listen to me first, and then we could see if she listened to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I God! Know. I really hope she doesn't listen to I this. I got no respect. <laughs> I got no regard. You can stay with me, Shmuel. It'll be fine. I got no regard at all. All right. I, I feel like I feel like saying. Just kind of skipping over that as an exciting game forgets that what actually happened in that game. That was insane. It was like, nuts. That, that was insane. Yeah, the Gophers like fumbled twice and threw a pick inside Fresno State's thirty. They were down by a touchdown late in the game, put together an incredibly unhurried drive, given that they were down by a touchdown. Converted a third and eighteen with an eighteen and six inch yard completion <laughs> of Bateman. And then managed to work themselves into a 4th and 13 scenario and wound up throwing up a prayer to the back corner of the end zone to Chris Ottman Bell, who made the greatest catch ever. (laughs) Who had never been heard of before that game. Yeah, and it was just, you know, it it had to be annoying if you were Fresno State because, like, they double-covered Bateman, they double-covered Johnson. So third guy who they hadn't really heard of makes an amazing catch to beat them. We ran Chris Ottman Bell off the sideline, and somehow he was right. open in the back of the end zone. And, and then that was overtime. So what still had to happen was in overtime, the Gophers had gone up by a touchdown, and Fresno State threw to a guy who was open except Antoine Winfield swooped out of nowhere and picked it off, which is the exact same thing that happened in the previous year's game against Fresno State. Uh, it's wonderful. So, anyway, Antoine Winfield is the mayor of Fresno. Yeah. Those two plays with Bell and, and Winfield are just the uh, the probabilities of those are, are just, just crazy. I it, Looking back, actually, at those three games early and how close they were and how easily we could have been 0-3. It it was pretty crazy. It was kind of, it was going to go one way or the other of this team's going to be good. They, there's something about them or actually we're not a very good team. It's just, we're squeaking by teams that aren't very good. And of course we, we always lean towards, uh, oh man, we're not very good. Uh, So that was, that was crazy how it played out. I actually have never looked back to see what people's records are. In the non-conference schedule, I always just assume what we knew at the time. I was going under yeah. the premise that Fresno was an 11-win team last year, and the other teams went undefeated in their conference. So I learned a lot today. So yeah, it was it was a little disappointing. Like the next one, the, the Gophers beat Georgia Southern, the option team, the aforementioned option team, 35 to 32 at home. And I thought I would look back and find out how dominant Georgia Southern was in the Sun Belt, and instead. They went seven and six last year and lost a bowl game that I had never heard of before, the Cure Bowl to Liberty. And in the fancy stats, Georgia Southern was worse than Fresno State. So the Idiots Gauntlet turned out to be the Idiots Pillow Fight, except that the Gophers still barely won all three of those games. And, and again, let's remember that game. Georgia Southern had about 30 yards of offense in the second half, but it didn't matter because... At some point, the Gophers had a field goal attempt that would have put them up, I want to say, 31-13, 31-17, something. You know, something pretty unassailable. Never unassailable with the Gophers, (laughs) but 
And instead, Georgia Southern blocked the field goal and returned it for a touchdown. The Gophers got the ball back, now behind, and immediately got, like, Morgan got hit while he was throwing, and the ball popped to somebody on, like, a defensive lineman who ran it in for a touchdown. (laughs) And so promptly, the, the Gophers, with, like, two minutes left and having not moved the ball at all, I think got themselves into like fourth and ten and threw a short pass to Demetrius Douglas, who broke four tackles for a first down. <laughs> and then they promptly rolled down the field and scored the winning touchdown with 13 seconds left. Uh, what a stupid start to the year it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was It was just the stupidest thing ever. The next week they went to Purdue and beat Purdue. I don't remember anything about this game. I know Purdue was not very good. They were 4-8 and eight last year. They were 3-6 and six in the conference. The Gophers won by a touchdown. Was it another... My vague memory of this game is that instead of being a total disaster like the two previous games, they were up 38-24 late. Do I have that right? Purdue's starting quarterback was hurt, uh, which was a theme somehow (laughs) in the middle part of the year. Right. And their best player and only offensive weapon got hurt for the season, I think, partway through the second quarter, which, again, was a theme in the middle part of the year. And I think the Gophers were up by three touchdowns going into the first, fourth quarter, whereas they promptly gave up two long touchdown drives and had to recover an onside kick and run out the clock right. in order to hold on. So that was probably their best win of the season at that point, and everyone knew that Purdue was not very good. So they were 4-0. and At that point, it felt like they had absolutely no offensive line of any kind. Their defense was suspect, having given up at least four scores in every game they played except for the one against South Dakota State that I think South Dakota State shot themselves in the foot a number of times. So things weren't exactly looking up, but I feel like that next week when they played Illinois, that was sort of the turning point for a lot of the rest of the season. Uh, What I was feeling at this point of the season too was, uh, yeah, the games were close, but for kind of the first time in a long time, for what I can remember, uh, we had an offense that was explosive, and we were getting explosive plays, and we were actually with Johnson and Bateman and the RPO game. We were actually really completing forward passes for long games, which you know anyone that follows Gopher football doesn't happen really with any regularity. Yeah. So we don't yeah, do so that. that part that part was actually uh, very exciting, and uh, and and so. Even though the run game and some of that stuff wasn't really what we were hoping it would be at that point, that that whole uh, part of oh, we can actually maybe convert a third down if it's third and ten. Uh, that part that part was nice. That was a really nice surprise. So I'm going to speed a little bit through the next four games in the schedule. The Gophers beat in, in order: Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland. Rutgers and Maryland are two of the worst football teams in college football history. Both of them should have dropped football. Nebraska was satisfying just because it's Nebraska and uh, stomp Nebraska 34-7 at home is something. We shouldn't go over it, but we talked about it at the time. We've talked about it a number of times since then. It will always be satisfying to beat Nebraska by four touchdowns, but Nebraska wasn't very good. You, you can group these games together as four savage beatings, which is a thing that roughly has happened never. Yeah. And I don't mean four in a row. I mean one. Right. Like... I feel like the last time the Gophers actually whooped somebody in the Big Ten who wasn't Rutgers was a pretty significant amount of time ago. 
And they put four, four of them together in a row. Like, literally, you know, Illinois scored two touchdowns that were both defensive touchdowns. And, you know, it was like Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland all scored a garbage time touchdown. They didn't give up an offensive touchdown score in the second half for, or in the first half for four straight weeks. That's not a thing. That was that was very much the okay, they got something here part of the year. But at the same time we were all looking forward to the final four games of the schedule and sort of had been since they got through the first part of the year. They right. followed up that eight no start with the win against Penn State, about which you can search the sport of archives because I think the next five podcasts I talked about how great going to that game was and being at the Penn State game because it was it was such a seminal moment in my life and I say that as someone who had a child last year. Boy, I hope your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. I'll tell her that at the end we talked about our kids and she'll just skip forward to that part. She's not interested in the the minutia of the Gopher football season. Um Penn State Penn State was the best team well, d- depending on how you feel about Auburn, Penn State was the best team they had, they beat last year. Penn State ended the year eleven and two, beat the crap out of Memphis in a bowl by the fan by the fancy stats. So one of the things that uh, that we always talk about and uh, probably is pretty annoying for you guys. Basically, anytime the Gophers win a game, I usually will text John and Dave and say, Dave. That was a program changing win, and then Dave will usually text me back and say, "Shmuel, no, it wasn't." And then this was when I knew it was really yeah, a big Shmuel win, beating Illinois forty to seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So doesn't count. And as so a program changing uh, after we won the Penn State game, Dave actually proactively texted me and said, "Yes, yes, Shmuel, that was a program changing win. Don't ask." So, so that's that's <laughs> when I knew it. That's when I knew it was legit. And the other way that I knew it was legit was. I actually, you know, for the first time in a long time, I, uh, you know, got the kids taken care of with a babysitter. I went to a bar with another Big Ten friend and drank way too many beers where I had to leave my car there uh, because it was so nerve wracking and so exciting to actually to actually uh, see that game and uh, how, how intense it was. So I don't know, for from your guys' perspective, is that at up until that point, I guess where do you rank that in terms of gopher wins uh, since you've been following in terms of how you'd rank it? Oh, interesting uh, question. I my immediate reaction is that it has to be at the top. Dave? Yeah, I don't know what else would compete with it. Yeah, they they had a couple I mean, of exciting wins in the middle, but nothing that, that was that important. Yeah. And it was exciting. It was incredibly exciting. I mean, it was, what was it? They, it was the first time in 14 tries they'd won a matchup of ranked teams. It was the first time they'd beaten a top 10 team since 1960 or whatever. Right. Like, well, or, well, it was the first time they'd beaten a top 10 team when they were ranked. Yeah. Like, they'd beaten, you know, they beat Michigan when they were number one in 1977 or whatever. Or in Penn State when they were number two. But right. In 99. And it was actually at home. So many of the Gophers' biggest wins like that had been on the road. And whether it was against Michigan in 1986 or Penn State in 1999, looking back as far as you want, very few of those wins had actually been at home. So this one was actually at home, and it was amazing. Of course, P.J. Fleck aside, 
a program-changing win aside, they're still the Gophers, so they went down to Iowa the following week and blew an extremely winnable game to the Hawkeyes, which was terrible. But, but like I said at the time, and I think I confused Shmuel by being positive, like, usually when they played that game, they had lost 52 to nothing. Right. Like, they're, I think they were down 20 to nothing in the first half, and they wound up losing, what was it, 24, 23? I can't remember the final score. Right they, play, they played as bad as they could have in the first half. I remember that. They were just like, yeah. it, was, I, yeah, right. it was bad. Yeah, they, they, lo- they lost 23-19, but that was after being down 20 to nothing. And they they had a chance to win it, and they would have had a better chance. Except Tanner Morgan got knocked out with a concussion on the last drive. My my abiding memory of that game will be Tyler Johnson dropped one on a fourth down over the middle, and then got hit. And PJ Fleck ran onto the field supposedly to check on Tyler Johnson because he was down hurt. But in reality, it was very clear that he ran on the field to complain because he's a madman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Fleck losing his sense and dashing onto the field like that will be forever my memory of that Iowa game. But the Gophers are hardly the first team to get dragged down into a football hammer fight in Iowa City, and they won't be the last because Iowa City is a vortex of hatred and disaster. So, I, 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 I like the Stephen Godfrey theory. When you play Iowa at Iowa, you become Iowa, and you have to out-Iowa Iowa in order to win. <laughs> No one can out Iowa. <laughs> uh, you have to beat them with punts and 240 judiciously spread yard of offense. I have a Iowa State is the only team comp- capable of out Iowing Iowing. Right. Which, because this is a college football podcast and on the internet, we do have to say the name of the Iowa Iowa State. El Asico. El Asico. <laughs> So I actually have an Iowa-related question for you guys that comes up a bunch with one of my buddies who's a big Iowa fan. He he okay yeah he yeah yep. he claims that Minnesota Gopher fans uh, disproportionately hate Iowa. Like Iowa doesn't care about the rivalry with us nearly as much as we care about it with them, oh. and that they he thinks that we view Iowa as a bigger rival than Wisconsin and he says that we basically chant i hate iowa uh at random moments and wow. random sporting events so i so hate this friend of yours does he live near you does he live not in town it, not anymore he was yeah, a, I, I want you to drive we, somewhere and yeah we went to grad school to, we went fire. to grad school together and now uh yeah he lives in texas obviously i live in california but yeah it this text comes up this this string comes up every year when we play each other uh, he said the same thing uh, when the Gophers. He claims that it, when when they were uh, when he's watching one of the Gopher games, actually the Penn State game, that we were chanting "We hate Iowa," which I don't think that is true. So it, it yeah, we chant that at every game, including hockey games, and Iowa doesn't have. <laughs> okay, maybe it is true. Okay, number one, it's fun to chant. Number two, there is no amount of hating Iowa that is disproportionate. And number three, the argument like. Oh, you know, you guys consider us a bigger rival than we do is the dumbest argument in the universe. Right. And I hope your buddy stops saying things yeah. until he gets better <laughs> ideas. To prove how much I don't care about Iowa, I'm going to drive to Texas and throw a Molotov cocktail through his front window. <laughs> that's that's how much I don't care. Right there. Okay. Good to anyway, know. Anyway, the Gophers... The, 
The Gophers followed that up by beating Northwestern. Northwestern was terrible. Northwestern was almost as bad as Maryland. Then they played Wisconsin, and I'm not going to talk about that game at all because it was hellish. But that does lead us on to the following game. At that point, we talked about it on the podcast, and it was somewhat disappointing to lose to Wisconsin and Iowa, obviously. But they followed that up by beating Auburn in one of the greatest games in gopher history that I'm sure Auburn fans have completely forgotten about already. I, if you talk to Auburn fans, they'll remember they beat Bama last year, and they'll remember they played in a bowl game, but they won't be able to remember who. Meanwhile, since the Gophers won that game, I can't stop talking about it, and I like to think about it when I'm going to sleep at night because it was so amazing to watch the Gophers beat Auburn senseless for four consecutive quarters. How surprised were you guys with that result? In, extremely. Yeah. I was extremely surprised because I I thought it would be like the start of the season where they played South Dakota State close and probably should have lost but used the magic and all the stuff we talked about at the start of the season. Instead, it was much more like, say, the Illinois game where the Gophers pretty much dominated the game and it shouldn't have been as close as it was. The Gophers basically beat the pants off of Auburn, and they only won by a touchdown somehow, but I think they outgained them something like 490 to 220 or something. Auburn returned a kick for a touchdown and I think scored a couple of weird touchdowns off scrambles. And other than that, the Gophers wandered up and down the field at will on them, which was remarkable given that Auburn was actually really good. Like, there are some years Auburn has a good record, but it's not actually any good, and this was not one of those The years. final stats for the Gopher season, the the fancy stat, they were 13th in the fancy, fancy stats, 7th on offense, 26th on defense. They Dave, Dave put some stats in here about the win probability for all their games that I, I won't get into, but they were maybe a little bit lucky, a tidge lucky, a smidgen lucky, not very lucky. Other... Other gopher seasons that would have ended 11-2 and two would have had them be four wins above where they should have been or something like that. Not this gopher year. They were about as good as they were. So we always talk about bros and turds for before the season starts. Um, I'm looking at retroactive. Your retroactive bros and turds. I, I kind of want to say you can't pick either of the first-team All-Americans that the Gophers had on the team. <laughs> Tyler Johnson, first-team All-American at wide receiver. Tyler Johnson was not a first-team All-American at wide receiver. Yes, he was, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. He was like, I think he was All-Big Ten, maybe. We have a rule here that you can't look up facts after the podcast starts, but I, I find it hard to believe. No, but B- Bateman was third-team All-American, but that was it. And I feel like Johnson was... Just just like he, I think he still is being incredibly underrated. Like I saw somebody put out a list of like the top 10 draft prospects at wide receiver and Johnson wasn't on it, which is stupid. That doesn't make any sense. No, no. He's, he's amazing and I hope the right. local club drafts him so we can continue watching him for some time. <laughs> well, I merely, I merely assume that he was first team All-American without actually looking it up, apparently. Antoine Winfield was first team All-American, I'm virtually certain of that. That one is true. But it would have to be some combination of Johnson and Bateman and Winfield. 
they would have to be your bros for the year. I guess Tanner Morgan exceeded all expectations. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think anyone talked enough about the year Tanner Morgan had, either locally or nationally. Like there was an assumption like, oh, he was all right, I guess. He was amazing. Like it if if you look at like the QB rating or the total QBR or whatever on ESPN, like the top five in the country were you know, Joe Burrow and uh, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and Tua Tagovailoa and Trevor Lawrence, like the guys you'd expect. And then number six right. or, you know, set, I think seven for QBR and six for t- rating was Tanner Morgan. Right below all of those quarterbacks who are nationally famous was Tanner Morgan, who we started out the year. He started the year as the second on the depth chart, right? And then right. Anikstad got Anikstad hurt. hurt. Yeah, Anikstad hurt his foot. I will I will apologize right here to Tanner Morgan and his family. I, I think I started the year by making jokes about how Tanner Morgan couldn't throw the ball 40 yards in the air. Well, it turns out he can actually throw a dime as many yards in the air as need you need to. And he's an amazing leader, and now the Gophers have the trouble of trying to get their two amazing quarterbacks on the field next year. Well, I mean, Anikstad's just kind of nutty, but it's nice to have a backup again. But, yeah, Morgan had... Maybe the best season since Sandy Stevens for a Gopher quarterback, and Sandy Stevens you can't even really call it because he played both ways and made All American because <laughs> he also had like eleven interceptions. <laughs> yes, those were the days, Dave. That was uh-huh. real football back in yeah, the day. Yeah, back when men were men and the Gophers rang the single wing. I don't, I don't know who to go with for a turd last year. I, I think the offensive line in the first half of the season, maybe, because I remember complaining about them. But the, they they did get better as the year went. They on. were amazing by the end of the year. So I I, I declare this a no turd season. Well, let's see. Um, no, I've got nothing. Kamal Martin got suspended for a couple games. That was unfortunate. <laughs> I guess the the kicking game was pretty bad. Who was the, the kicker the kick- last year? Uh. I think a combination of a couple of dudes. There's a dude named, I think, Brock or Blake or Block or Break yeah. Walter. And there was a kid named Michael Lance who he, you know, just pooched a couple over the crossbar that were like 40-yard field goals. Okay. So he, he, he wasn't exactly like really nailing it out there. Whoever those he guys were, they're the dirt. Yeah. Oh, no, naming the kicker the turd seems mean. One guy that I was kind of surprised with, and it's always hard when it's a Minnesota boy, but uh, I know like coming into the year, everyone was talking about Carter Coughlin being like a first-round pick, and he was coming off nine-and-a-half sacks and things like that. And I just kept kind of waiting for that game where he was going to take over and get three sacks. And, yeah, it was pretty solid, and he was moving around a lot and things like that. And I definitely don't – Turd is probably a strong word for it, but uh, he was he was one of those guys that I I feel like uh, you know maybe got a little bit of a pass because again he's a Minnesota kid and you know he's was a hotshot recruit and things like that and the season went so well. But if I if I had to nitpick something, that would be like maybe one of the people that I was you know expecting a little bit more, especially based off of what he did the year before. Right. Mm. I, I am of the opinion that all local kids should get a pass because they're local kids and therefore one of us. So I do not agree with you, Carter. <laughs> I know. I kind of hate myself a little bit right now. I wish I didn't say it. <laughs> but, uh, 
And and I think that I think I mean John already John gave uh, Tyler Johnson first team All American just based off of uh, being a yeah, Minnesota kid. So, so so that you know right Carter Coughlin also first <laughs> <laughs> Carter Coughlin the number one pick in the NFL draft. I can't believe Shmuel picked him as right. the third for the season. Yeah, first team John American Carter Coughlin. <laughs> well, we're we're grasping at turd straws here. All right. Let's Dude, take man. a little... <laughs> Can that not be the title of the podcast, please? <laughs> you see right through me. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about who's coming back, who's not coming back, and next year's schedule. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, so let's talk about the who is leaving for the Gophers. Starting on offense, the answer is almost nobody, actually. I That's not entirely true. Tyler Johnson graduated. We already talked a little bit about him and how he was leaving. He had 3,300 receiving yards for his career, and they are losing their top two running backs, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Rodney Smith, who has been at the University of Minnesota since 2004, I think he was Tellus Redmond's backup one year. Uh, I, I, yeah, he was, he was originally a Wacker recruit. Yeah. Uh, 17-year vet Rodney Smith is finally graduating. Shannon Brooks, who has sort of been the second back behind Rodney Smith for all 17 of those years, is also out of eligibility somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. So they're, they're losing a number of guys at skill positions, but I – kind of feel like everything is fine at those positions. When you say they're losing a number, you've already named them. They're losing three guys. Yeah, they're losing three guys on offense. Right, and the running backs will be the starting running backs from two years ago when both Smith and Brooks were hurt, and they still had a really good rushing offense. It'll be Mohamed Ibrahim and Bryce Williams, who, you know, was Bryce Williams still last year showed – some signs of learning not to run directly into the backs of the offensive linemen, which is, you know, if he can keep doing that, it's going to be a real Yeah, and I, I think if they can get Ibrahim on the Rodney Smith 17 years of eligibility plan, I think he's really set to possibly get to 4,000 yards himself because he already has 1,700 or something like that. So they're kind of set at running back. I feel like they're kind of set at wide receiver, even losing Johnson, too. We talked about Rashad Bateman already. We mentioned both Chris Auden Bell and Demetrius Douglas. Last year we went into the year, and I remember Dave saying on the preview podcast that the Gophers 
had the best wide receivers in the country, which did prove to be true. And I feel like you could probably look at it and say the Gophers might have the best wide receivers at least in the Big Ten going into next year already. I mean, they've got Rashad Bateman, who I'm pretty certain is the best receiver in the Big Ten. Yeah, he was, I think, a third-team All-American, and I think that's actually true and not a John American this time. But Right. He he was zeroth-team John American. Right. He, tra- he transcended the John American team and was <laughs> named uh, Platinum John American. Sometimes you break the bounds of the John American team and go to the national team, and that's exactly what happened with Rashad Bateman. Um, I think most importantly, though, at least in my mind, is the offensive line is all back. And I think that includes six guys who played significant time last year. And they're all back, which we, again, we mentioned it sort of in passing, but they struggled at the start of the year. By the end of the year, they were dominating. They beat up on Auburn in the bowl game. And having all of those guys back, having the starting quarterback back, having the backup quarterback back from injury, a couple wide receivers, a couple running backs on the seventh-rated offense in the country. That's something to be excited about right there, I think. Optimism Optimism guy says that I'm expecting at least 50 points per game, basically, is what you're telling me with all the people (laughs) that are coming back. Uh, It's crazy to think how good Bateman is and that he's back for another year. I love... uh, Ibrahim, anytime he's in the game, I'm excited because I feel like he's always making a good play and always breaking a tackle. And then being excited about the offensive line. I feel like that's been a while and it's been, it was one of our staples, right, for a long time uh, uh, with the Gophers. Right. And it's, it's, I, I, it's, we should we should get on the bandwagon of getting excited about the offensive line. I, I think that that's very Minnesota, that's very Minnesota, right. and uh, I think it it it's actually hype that uh, that actually is gonna that makes sense this year. So there's there's a lot to like from the offense. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of scary. <laughs> they should be pleasingly smashy once again. <laughs> Next year, I I vow that if the offensive line is just as good, I'll learn all of their names. I mean, some of those guys are from Minnesota. You ought to be better than that. Yeah, I, I mean, Blake Andrees. He's from, he's from Minnesota. Blaze. I know his name. Blaze. Uh-huh. Dang it! <laughs> and uh, Sam Schluter. I Sam think he's Schluter also from Minnesota. Wasn't Sam Schluter the setter on the volleyball no, team? No, that was Samantha Seeliger Swanson. You've confused those people again. Oh, those are two right. different people. I'm pretty sure you're making up names here, Dan. See, this is what I mean. If they're just as good next year, I vow to learn all what, of them. What about names. Daniel Falele? He's enormous. Oh yeah. Well, everybody remembers Daniel Falele because he's six foot nine, five hundred and thirty-seven right. pounds. He is a and they talk man. about him a lot in the broadcasts, uh-huh. no matter who's calling the game. Because <laughs> he he blots out the sun, and they have to explain <laughs> who is casting a shadow over every other play. Well, the lights are actually on, but the field is dark because Daniel Falele is standing on the end of the field right now. So I feel like bef- that before he leaves, they've got to throw a screen pass to him. <laughs> <laughs> or they need to put him back there to return a kick like Tommy Olsen used to do. You know, he wasn't back to return a kick, though. Tommy Olsen just unilaterally decided he was the kicker. The dude with now. the number in the 50s who, when the ball was kicked, turned and sprinted back to his own two to try to grab it. Pushing the kick returners out of the way to try to 
get a little bit of glory. Tommy Olsen, we may come back whenever. I feel like Daniel Falalele is a potential future Peisman Trophy winner, and I, for one, look forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All the offensive positivity does lead into a talk about the defense, and I'm got to be honest, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried because you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Every defensive lineman, every linebacker, and an All-American safety are all leaving. And I think, I mean, they used like four corners, but two of them are gone. And two of them are leaving. Yep. So they they basically have a corner, one safety, not the good one, and that's and I guess another corner sort of coming back. So depending on how you count, they have two or three starters. And a whole bunch of backup front seven guys right and and they did they rotated a lot so there'll be some names you recognize right. but well it'll mostly be mariano sorry martin who mariano sorry marin i don't think there's a t in uh-huh. there mariano sorry marin because that's right. just a fun name to say i recognize that name but everybody right. else and also i think you were so who is our voice. who is our best returning defensive player uh, uh maybe uh, Jordan Howden, because he had the pick, the last pick against Penn State, and I remember his name. How about Benjamin St. Just, because he sounds like the guitarist from Simon's I think, I think it was St. Eust. He's Canadian. St. Eust? Yeah. <laughs> Benjamin St. Eust. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's fun. I was going to go with him because of the name and that uh, he's a tall corner. Uh-huh. You don't get to see those guys oh, yeah. around very often, too. You, you so. love, the, you love yeah. the tall corners. <laughs> yeah, you got to... You got to find a way to de- defend the Herman Moores of the it's, world. It's tall corners, it's linebackers who still wear neck rolls, and it's defensive tackles who are under six feet tall. You always remember those guys. Yeah. <laughs> defensive tackles who are five foot eight and mm-hmm. played in the Lake Conference. That's what. It, yeah, that's you, what I'm looking for. You remember John Schlecht? John. I do remember John Schlecht. John Schlecht, who is. Five foot six inches tall, three hundred and forty-seven pounds. Just a a delight in the middle of the early two thousands gopher line. But Dave, give us give us some insight into the the maybe the the backups and some people that got some playing time that you think are going to break out and become the next star on the defense. Uh, I thought uh, Braylon Oliver played pretty well at linebacker. Like you know, Kamal Martin was hurt or suspended a couple of times and. I thought Oliver played filled in pretty well. I thought Boye Mafe, which is also a fun name to say, played okay on the defense, uh, on the defensive line. Um, I, I feel like really the defense is sort of the test of, you know, this is Fleck's fourth year. They've spent three years sort of building this, building up this set of like sort of three-star-ish recruits from Florida and Georgia. And they haven't got they haven't gotten right. a ton of PT yet, but now now is sort of the test. Like all this depth that they've been building, can they actually convert it into players or not? Like like it, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of those guys that were on the defense were, you know, Dew Treadway was a grad transfer, but you know several of them were local kids like Thomas Barber and Kamal Martin and Carter Coughlin, Shmuel, Shmuel's enemy Carter Coughlin, um, yeah. Schwul's mm-hmm. most hated person. God, why Carter did Carter why Carter. did I say that? Why did I say that? <laughs> oh man! Shmuel, so besides Schmuel's nemesis and Tommy Barber, like I I I think we're out of Barbers, which is unfortunate. 
<laughs> I know. There needs to be a strategic yeah. barber reserve that we can just keep rolling one well, out every five I, I mean, years. I assume what Dom or Marion has kids now, and they got to be getting along, so we just got to recruit them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, honestly, you know, I was kind of skipping through the depth chart trying to remember some of these guys, but it, it's this is going to be the test. Like, they have almost no production coming back on defense. I think... The preseason projections had them dropping from like 20th to 60th or 58th or something like that on defense. Um, that'll, that'll be the test for next year. But the thing was, yeah. you know, a year ago, two years ago, we had the same sort of thing on offense, and it actually worked out. So it, that, that'll be the question. That and, you know, what the Gophers didn't have a ton of was injuries last year. Like, Morgan got hurt for that last drive against Iowa, but Johnson was healthy the whole year. Bateman was healthy the whole year. I think Brooks struggled with some injuries. Martin was hurt a little bit. But that was about it. Um, So what a lot of what the year depends on is if they're struggling a little bit for depth, and they might be, especially on defense, will they be able to keep those guys on the field and improve over the course of the year, or will they be scrambling like, seemingly every other year of flex tenure when they're pulling people out of the band by game seven to play D-back. And yet things work out fine somehow. Um, so looking forward to next year, the one other thing I want to do is look forward at the schedule next year a little bit just to see if there's another idiot's gauntlet in there and look at the Big Ten schedule and see who they have. Um, they open the year next year with Florida Atlantic, which does have a certain idiot's gauntlet to it. Florida Atlantic won the Sun Belt last year. They hammered SMU in a bowl game. They The only other team they played that we know about is Ohio State, which might have been the best team over over the season in the country. And Ohio State beat them by three touchdowns, which tells us nothing, of course, because I think it was probably the first game of the year. But that seems like a bad game to start the year with, especially knowing how the start of last season went. Starting with a team that won the Sun Belt last year doesn't seem like the way you want to go. Well, Florida Atlantic's got a new coach this year, and uh, we'll see. I mean, they're good. They're, they're who's not... Florida Atlantic's new coach? Who's their old coach? Uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin. We just missed out on Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin was Florida Atlantic's coach? And, and is now Mississippi's coach. That guy is having the Dan Monson career of football, <laughs> well, I mean, for sure. For a long time, he just failed upward until he got fired at the airport. And then he went at... Then he started failing downward and yeah, ended up as Florida Atlantic's coach. Alabama rehabilitation program where you become a grad assistant and then the <laughs> offensive coordinator and then Florida Atlantic. And now he's at Mississippi where nothing bad or weird has ever happened. <laughs> where where is Florida Atlantic? It's in it's not as near I think it's in Boca Raton. Where where is Boca Raton? Near Miami. <laughs> and uh isn't hey. their new coach Willie Taggart? I think so. I think you're right. Good for Willie. I'm glad he landed somewhere. Will Willie Taggart? Yeah. Is Florida Atlantic's coach? I'm pretty sure. I think cuz he just lost a job at Florida State and right. I think they hired him. Yeah. All that is true. So they got Florida Atlantic. The next game after Florida Atlantic is Tennessee Tech, which is 
possibly a one double A team, correct? I I assume so. It better be. My notes say they play in the Ohio Valley Conference, which I thought was a basketball only conference. Maybe maybe it is, and they're just really maybe maybe it's basketball only because Tennessee Tech beat everyone so bad at football. <laughs> Everyone else in their conference dropped football, except they were three and five last year in the Ohio Valley. Say my notes, so none of that can yeah. be true. They, I guess, what I'm saying is they should beat Tennessee Tech. The, the, this feels like they finally ran out of all the contracts Joel Maturity signed <laughs> for good one double A teams, <laughs> and now Mark Coyle is much better at getting truly bad one double A teams. Joel Maturity was just out there signing home and homes with MAC teams and. Somehow giving away three road games for one home game with Toledo and paying Toledo money every year. Just none of it made any sense. I feel like we do have really, we do really weird non-conference schedules. I can't remember the last one that we had. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It's one really good team, one really bad team, and something in the middle. Uh, and it seemed to have some sort of structure. I, I, it's very yeah. random to me. Well, I, I think the Gophers struggle a little bit because they're just good enough that no one would really want to play them. Like you get, they're not good enough where you'd get some kind of benefit from beating them, but they are good enough that you could lose. So if so, if <laughs> right. you're a team, you know they they could you could theoretically get like a top fifteen team to play you as like a break from their good non conference games. But getting someone in the middle to play you is tough because everybody would like to win that game and the Gophers have gotten better enough that people won't assume that it's an automatic win. But it will still be embarrassing if you lose. Has has North Dakota State won the 1AA championship enough times in a row that playing them seems like a good idea again? No, it's never a good idea to play. Please don't. Uh, not a good idea in this in the sense that it's a guaranteed win, but a good idea in the sense that beating them is like beating a top 25 team. No, it's it's like playing other Iowa. <laughs> Stupid other <laughs> Iowa. It's it's still it's still punts and no offense. Right now there there's a North Dakota State fan writing in to be like, "Hey, you guys don't actually hate us way more than we hate you because we hate North Dakota <laughs> the most, and we don't even think about you." Yeah, it's, yeah. Depends thanks. on whether he's been able to get cranes during the Fargo is a terrible town. That was a really that was a really good impression. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what every North Dakota State fan sounds like. Yep, yep. Moorhead's clearly the better half. That's of right. I'm just saying. Fargo, you half Moorhead. Get out of here. Um, weirdly, the third game of next year is Iowa. They they have Iowa at home, but for some reason well, it's in the, September. The, I don't the Big quite Ten understand has that. has looked at... They've looked at the classic South Carolina Vanderbilt Week One SEC matchup and decided we want it. We want to destroy everyone's joy for football being back, just like that. <laughs> we want a game that ends so seven moved, to three. They moved games earlier and earlier in the year, and I believe either in twenty twenty one or twenty two, I believe the Gophers open with Ohio State. Oh man. Well, that Gopher-Iowa game next year is ending 5-4 to four right. one way or the other. Well, I mean, it, that's just because it's a Gophers-Iowa game. Right. Um, they follow that up with their last non-conference game of the year, which is BYU, which when I looked at their schedule from last year to find out whether they were good or not, 
I still can't tell because they beat Tennessee, they beat USC, they beat Boise State, and somehow they still lost six mm-hmm. games. What is going on B- in BYU Utah? lives a strange life because they, they're an independent, but they're not good enough to get the really big independent games. So they get a few games right at the start when everything is still weird, when they're playing non-conference games, and then they spend the rest of the year playing service academies and Liberty. So, <laughs> well, they ended the season by getting beat in the Hawaii Bowl, which is one of the weirdest consolation prizes. Yeah, but you have to play time. Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl, and Hawaii. <laughs> yes. If Hawaii's not bowl eligible, do they still hold the Hawaii I, Bowl? I don't know. I don't think they're allowed to not be bowl eligible. I think they keep playing games until they win the six, <laughs> right. and then they play the Hawaii Bowl. <laughs> Hawaii had a six and seventeen record last year, but. They finally beat a number of high schools, and they finally got bowl eligible. Um, after BYU, they're they're at Maryland and at Wisconsin. At Maryland, whatever. At Wisconsin, that doesn't seem likely. That doesn't seem good. At least it's not at the end of the year. Hey, the Gophers are on a one-game winning streak at Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think the other key thing about next year's schedule is that they're changing up who they have from the East, which starts with Michigan at home, which I think is probably the marquee game on the schedule next year, depending on how you feel about Iowa being at home. But Michigan was quite good last year. They, they were nine and four. They were six and three in the conference. They were probably a top 15 team. They got killed by Alabama in the, in a bowl game, but Getting killed by Alabama is no shame. Uh, so, looking forward at next year's schedule, that's the one that you circle on the schedule and think that's probably the one I want to be at. Not because I think the Gophers will be 6-0 and going into that game or anything, but it just seems like that could be a really big game if the Gophers are good and Michigan is good mm-hmm. again next year. Our, our first half of the conference schedule really sucks. Yeah. It's, it's tough. With, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan in, in three of your first four games. Having Maryland in there lightens the load a little bit, but... Well, I mean, for the, I believe, the 27th straight year, Maryland ought to be better. <laughs> They'll always have good, good, fast athletes, uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't... <laughs> ever, ever since Maryland uh, let James Franklin go in order to keep Ralph Friggin, things have been going sort of strange. It's been a it's, it's been a lot of weird seasons in Maryland consecutively. Um, the the Gophers are at Illinois, and then the other team they have from the East is a trip to Michigan State, which Michigan State was sort of eh last year, but they're one of the teams coming out of the East that every year you look at and think, all right, this is going to be this is potentially a difficult game. There's sort of four of those teams in the East and three of them in the West, and not counting the Gophers. And so having Michigan and Michigan State rather than Rutgers and Maryland making up two-thirds of your Eastern schedule is a little bit tougher, especially when you have to go to Michigan State. And then they finish up the year with home games against Purdue and Northwestern. And then, strangely, a game that could be fairly exciting because I think, I, I don't have the calendar up, but I think it'll probably be Thanksgiving weekend is at Nebraska. And Nebraska should be right. better next year. Yeah, it, it's. I think, I think they play the day after Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving, so Black, Black Friday. Playing a Black Friday game in Lincoln, Nebraska, should be super fun because, despite Nebraska's 
47 consecutive season of disappointment, there's still a lot of people who really love Nebraska football. Why did they switch it from us playing Nebraska at the end compared to Iowa and Nebraska playing at the end of the season? Uh, well, it's the Big Ten, and the Big Ten doesn't really believe that any rivalries other than Michigan and Ohio State. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that matters is Michigan playing Ohio State, and just to prove it, we're going to move every other game away from that one, so you'll have no choice but to do what we do, which is look at a picture of Michigan and playing Ohio State and get all hot and bothered. Well, I, I suspect that Iowa and Wisconsin are playing each other the last yeah. week, and... You know, that Schmuel's jerk buddy can now be like, oh, that's the one we really care about, <laughs> and hopefully fall into a Minerva pit. Wait, Iowa doesn't care about Wisconsin. I think they they care a little. Well, I mean, I care a little bit about Purdue, but that doesn't make the Gophers and Purdue rivals. Am I sending him a link well, to this podcast, guys, or not? That, that's the yes, problem. you are. Okay. <laughs> You're sending him my home address okay. with an invitation okay. for fisticuffs anytime okay. you want. <laughs> No, just send it, send him a link to the podcast and also send a picture of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be forwarding you pictures of our butts so you can send those along with it. And I'm glad we found two main people to hate in this podcast. For me and Dave, it's Shmuel's friend. For Shmuel, it's Carter Coughlin. Oh, God. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's too early to start talking about predictions for next year well let me back up is it too early to start talking about predictions for next never year? what's a good season what's a very good season what's a disappointing season next year uh, no i want to hear shmuel first because shmuel's because he's very positive i want to hear what he would consider a good season so you'll have to remember that i referred to the uh what is the 2003 sun bowl season as a miracle season so that's my that's 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 the bar we're dealing with here. The miracle that team lost three games. Yeah. So I uh, you know my my take on uh like if I had to put an over under is is nine games, you know. Uh they they've yep. set they've set the bar now. I it'll be really interesting to see we haven't been in this place before. Uh, schedule's way harder. We had a lot of breaks last year with the schedule, and we talked about the backup quarterbacks and and all that. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at trying to, you know, I'm shooting for nine nine or ten. And you know, the big things too are the revenge games. Really hoping we take it to Iowa and Wisconsin too. So, um, okay. if we if we win eight games, I guess I would look at that as a a little bit of a disappointment, but I wouldn't be super mad about that but that's kind of where where my head's at now i again feel feels weird i'm i'm all in on fleck and and everything that he's doing there so i'm i'm uh i'm I'm raising the bar accordingly so shmuel's got nine games is a good year i want to make sure i get this right here nine wins good year eight years eight wins somewhat disappointing anything more than nine great year yeah i would say so all right dave uh, I can't really disagree with any of that. I think the mm-hmm. fancy stats have the Gophers a favorite in ten of twelve games, something like that. All but, right, but not, but not much of a favorite. I think if you like, their most likely record is probably eight and four. Um, okay. So, like like Shmuel said, I think eight wins would be average. 
like that'd be like okay that was that was a fine solid year um obviously if they win double digit games that's an amazing year that they've hardly ever done that let's not get let's not get to be the kind of people who let's let's not become manchester city right <laughs> the, the 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 fans who 10 years ago were amazed that they could finish in the top half and are now furious if they're not given knighthoods for w- winning a game right um Still get excited about this, is what yeah. you're saying. Do Do you like how I worked on a slam on Man City fans in a college football podcast? I do. Take that, Manchester City. Between that and El Asico. yeah, I, I I feel like I feel like I did that just for John. Sorry. Oh, how for how much of how much of the audience do you think got that, or is uh, did that really strike uh, a chord with? Um, I would be somewhat surprised if anyone is still listening to this Gopher football podcast <laughs> yeah. in April. So I think it's uh, even. I think a hundred percent of people are probably going to get that reference. You know, I I feel like this the podcast audience has been listening to John talk about niche sports, and we can still do the rugby update later if you want, John. Um, <laughs> I've got a lot of things to say. We'll we'll split it into a separate podcast. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do a separate rugby podcast yeah, later. That'll be a bonus for our Patreon subscribers. We right. don't have Patreon subscribers. I mean, if you want to just send John some money, uh, he'll take it. Or it's fine. <laughs> just send me money. I'll call you on the phone and talk rugby <laughs> with you. Um, but I I think. Yeah, eight, eight wins is stupidly a good year. Any year the Gophers make a bowl is a pretty decent year, generally. Like, I think it is nice to think if that that if they win six, it'll be kind of disappointing. Right. Whereas most years we'd think, hey, we made a bowl. That's pretty amazing. I feel, I feel a certain amount of... Uh, there's, a, there's a certain amount that feels like they're playing with house money next year just because last year was exciting to the point that I I almost don't care what their final record is I but I do really want them to beat Wisconsin and I do really want them to beat Michigan and I do really want them to beat Iowa I the last time they beat Michigan in Minneapolis was 1970 something 1977 1977 so that's the one I'm circling right there. I really want them to beat Michigan. I really want them to beat Wisconsin. I think winning at Nebraska would be really fun. I want Schmuel's friend in Texas to cry, so I want them to beat Iowa. And I'm not too concerned with the rest of the schedule. So John is fine just as long as they beat all the best teams on the schedule. (laughs) Right. They can lose all the other eight games. As long as they're also the best team in the country when they play top 25 teams. That's what we call a hot take. <laughs> no, I, as stupid as it sounds, I really feel like I'm looking much more at individual games next year and how they do rather than how good or not good they are. Because I, I guess winning the West and being in the Big Ten Championship game would be super fun. But I'm, I'm not really thinking about that so much as how much I want them to beat certain other teams. I kind of look at it this now of uh, what were we hoping our program to be, right? I think like we were right. always hoping that, you know, we would have like the success of a Wisconsin or Iowa where you get a lot of seven to nine win seasons and then every five or six years you're contending for a Rose Bowl or something like that. And so I think right. like trying to expect more than that is probably not realistic, but 
hopefully we can we can settle into that. For the longest time, all I wanted them to have was a chance to be good. Not necessarily win every game they play, but the cutoff in my mind for so long was two conference losses, like a six and two year, and then they went to the nine in, the nine game schedule, and so a seven and two year because that's sort of the bare minimum where you have a chance to win the conference. And last year they were seven and two in the Big Ten, and that was their first two loss season since again seventy eight, seventy nine, seventy seven. Cal Stoll was the coach. Yeah, I think it was 73. 73. It was, it, it's unreal that it was almost 50 years since the last time they lost two games in the conference. That was, that was the Gophers' best season by almost any stretch of imagination in a half century. Mm-hmm. So that, in terms of what I want the program to be, that's all I want. I'm not asking for a run of Big Ten titles. I just want them to have a chance. Mm-hmm. Everybody, it it felt like every other team in the Big Ten got one grab at the ring. Northwestern won a couple of titles in the 90s, and Purdue had Drew Brees and was suddenly good for a couple of years. And it, I guess there's teams like Illinois and Indiana that are always garbage too, but Indiana, Indiana particularly, they are, they are a strange black hole. But for the longest time, Minnesota was the slightly western version of Indiana, where they were just this sort of, this black hole of football that you you couldn't even make the excuse that people only cared about basketball here. You could make the excuse, I guess, that they only cared about hockey, but now the college hockey no longer exists. Even that excuse doesn't work. Um, But... I, I Right now, it feels like the Gopher football program is where I always wanted the Gopher football program to be, and that's an exciting thought. Do you, do you want one downer? Yes, of course I want we a downer. Went, we only went three and two against real Big Ten teams. Shut up, Dave. How dare you? Oh, that's the worst stat oh, I've ever heard. Oh no, Dave! Look what you did. You made Schmuel sad. How dare you? No, it's it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. That that was legitimately their best season in fifty three years at yeah. least, probably sixty years, and with the best receiver in school history, one of the best quarterbacks in school history, one the of the best win. running backs in school history. Not the best, but one of the better ones. Yeah, the the best win in a half century. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of things that hadn't happened since two-way football came back. <laughs> a lot of people learning the name Murray Warmath. Yeah. Anyway, what were we going to say? I have a couple, a couple things. First of all, having some sort of expectations is strange. So I guess we're all going to have to get used. Yeah, we got to get used, used to that. And uh, we touched on it with the people coming back. I just think they're going to be pretty darn exciting on offense. And uh, regardless of, uh, you know, if things don't roll our way and, and the season doesn't quite go that way, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on that side of the ball for sure. So yeah, I think it could be some fire wagon football. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 part alone should get people excited, uh, even even with uh, some of the things we talked about on the defense. We're going to outscore people. Yep. The offense is going to score some points. The defense's job is to. Give the offense a slight breather in between touchdowns. 
Well, it is odd that they have a new offensive coordinator, and usually that means somebody coming in and saying, all right, we're going to tear this all down to the studs and start over. And this time the new offensive coordinator is like, well, I just don't want to screw it up. Who is, who's their new offensive coordinator again? I believe his name is Mike Sanford. Yeah, Mike Jr. Sanford. Yeah. Mike Sanford Jr. Uh, yeah, he I don't was, know who that is. I think he was the head coach at Western Kentucky until he got fired. And I think he was coordinating at Utah State last year. But essentially, I think he watched the tape and said, like, let's just do that again. <laughs> let's run the same seven plays that we mm-hmm. ran the entire season last Seems year. Like That'll be fine. Right. As long as you can call a handoff and a slant and a fake slant, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all the plays the Gophers have, so yeah, it's no, going it to be fine. It is going to be fine. legitimately fun to watch the Gophers whoop on people on offense. I hope it is again this year. All right, now that we've weeded out all of the potential listeners, you guys got anything else to say? We're we're past the hour mark. We've spent an hour on Gopher football in April. What else you got? Sure. Do you want to tell horrible stories of having twins? Oh yeah, sure. With this, uh, with the whole quarantining thing, here's my here's my latest uh, parental philosophy. So I have twin girls. They're they're just about five years old. I'm I'm home with them full time here. A uh, lot of props to uh, stay-at-home parents. Uh, I've done it for three weeks, and it feels yeah, like it's you're been... Home with them full time. I, you're home with them full-time while also doing your job. I want to point yeah, that out. And, uh, yeah, so it, it feels like the last three weeks has been the equivalent of probably 45 years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and my, my, my goal going into parenting was uh, I just want my kids to be good people and not spoiled brats. And now I've lowered that bar right. after three weeks to I just don't want them to be serial killers, and and, and that and that's basically all it's come down to now because like they, they the, can uh, kill people the, just not for thrills like if, yeah, if, it's, yeah. if it's just in bar fights or something that's fine yes that's okay yeah it's a very very low bar that's achieved now and uh, the yeah. the uh, the countdowns now of just basically counting down to when bedtime is. Uh, is happening right. earlier and earlier every day, uh, basically after we wake up now. So uh, this is this is <laughs> it's just nothing but yeah. Countdown. This is getting they made the whole plane out of countdown. <laughs> this is getting scarier by the day, and uh, to think that it's going to be three or four months. Uh, uh, I, I let's let's see if uh, if we're going to make it or not. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting times that we live in. It's nice to uh, it's nice to actually think about football. Uh, and actually, like, uh, look forward to to the season and and, and some normalcy there because uh, there's there's not not a lot out there right now. So, so that was that, that was nice. I feel like there were a lot of stories going into this quarantine about spikes in the divorce rate in China while they were quarantined, and there have been a number of stories that you've seen the headlines that are along the lines of "Here's how to get along with your spouse while you're quarantined." I, I feel like the main thing I've learned from this quarantine is I live with three people and one of them is pretty, pretty good. I like one of them a lot. <laughs> the other two, the two smaller ones are a handful at every, at every turn, but the other one seems good. She, she's fine. I like her, but man, those kids are just always here, aren't they? <laughs> Wait, we, we've reached a point in our house where the, the 10 month old is moving around. My my daughter has taken an interest in basically just seeing what happens when she shoves him. Like, <laughs> all right, we're just going to shove him now. And, oh, he fell down and hit his head again. Well, that's great. 
Uh, I don't know what you expected there, kid. Why Why did you shove him? And then she just looks at you like, how could you possibly ask me that, Dad? Of course I shove him. He's very shovable. He's at shoving height. Yeah, the other realization I had the other day was uh, with the whole quarantine and me working from home, uh, my kids are getting raised basically the same way I was. And that's uh, the television raising them as well as playing <laughs> unsupervised in the backyard for extended right. periods of time. So uh, so I guess maybe that'll end up being a good thing in the long run. I, I'm not sure. But uh, as, as long... Do your, do your girls play well together? Like, can you send them out in the backyard and they'll entertain each other for a it's while? It's a total Jekyll and Hyde, basically. It can be the cutest, amazing right. thing ever. And they're just like playing forever. Or we could literally not go more than 30 seconds without some sort of fight and some sort of brawl. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm shocked. I, I, it's still, I think a 50, 50 bet if they'll be best friends or mortal enemies. I'm not sure. So, right. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I can, I think Dave and I can both say that there's no way of telling which way that'll come out. I, I think your answer is some of both. <laughs> yeah. Why can't they be both? And maybe someday, if you're very lucky, Shmuel, maybe someday they will do a podcast together about go for football. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's what we're shooting for now. So yeah, yeah, that's all Shmuel wants. That's your mm-hmm. other goal. Yeah, they can be serial killers. Yeah. They can they can they do can whatever. Do the podcast from prison. It'll be part of their rehab. Yeah. This is my uh, prison podcast. This is my last fun fact of the uh, of the day. Uh, so until today, I have done zero podcasts in my life. Today, I've right. today I've actually done two. Uh, Ooh, this really, yeah. This how dare you cheat on this? I podcast know, with yeah. Another podcast. You, you you beat you beat being my first by like uh, you missed out being my, being my first by like six hours. It's so. literally, it's like getting to a date and finding out that your date had another <laughs> date right before your date. I know, yeah. If I find out that this other podcast was another go for football podcast, you know, you two, number you, one, I'm going to be shy. You two are like, uh, you know, number two of my best friends. Oh, don't worry. No one's asking me to do podcasts for football, and I'm sure they won't after this oh, yeah, yeah, uh, okay. as well. Don't worry. It meant nothing <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I actually did a uh, a genomics podcast. I'm a, For those Ooh. that don't know, I'm a geneticist, so uh got to do one of those that should hopefully get at least seven to eight hits uh, how, when it comes out. How much out. did so, you talk about PJ Fleck on the Genomics podcast? <laughs> it's, uh, I need to actually work that in better. I do try and use the Fleckisms in my regular life more often. Yeah. So so that that I think is driving all my coworkers crazy because they have no idea why I'm right. saying that. Cause, You're saying yeah, like, okay, the A and C are doing good, but the GC pair needs to row the, row the boat? Oh, a lot about, yeah, and a lot about being elite. And get in and changing your best every day, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, <laughs> my team is my team is the most confused team in our in our company. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this up. I I don't actually know where we're at time wise, but it's probably too long. So let's shut it down. It's good to talk over football. It's good to talk to you guys. Uh, parting thoughts. Row the boat, Scotty Mago Rovers. It's a great time to be a Gopher fan. Good enough for me.